This week's episode contains binaural recordings. Listen with headphones if you can. Sounds curious. Hey there, and welcome back to the Sounds Curious podcast, the podcast for the adventurous listener. This week's opening features a field recording we found over on SoundCloud in the account Fields by Grushka. And it's a field recording made in the Bratislava train station. And it's a binaural recording made on June 14th, 2014. And we're using it today to open up a huge topic that's going to cross over our series on field recordings and a few interviews that we have scheduled in future episodes. Before we go into that, though, there's so many exciting things happening here at the podcast Uh, and elsewhere that we wanted to take a second and highlight some of those. We, of course, want to remind everybody that as this podcast goes into the feed, Kristen Nordeval's opera will be premiering in Montreal, The Trials of Patricia Isasa. You can find links to that information and to Kristen Nordeval's homepage on our Banshee Media Dot com site www.bansheemedia.com and we encourage anybody who's in the Montreal area to go check it out and we're going to be featuring an interview with Kristen Nordeval not too far in the distant future so um, yeah get out there if you can uh, we were delayed a bit in getting our last podcast into the feed because we spent the day on the deep listening live stream from MPAC on Friday, May 6th. So we wanted to give a shout out of thanks to everybody who participated in that. And for all the great people on the live stream, there was a wonderful moment where uh, the live stream was watching the room in New York. And the room in New York had a live stream of a deep listening participant from Sweden, Bjorn Eriksson. 
projected into the room. So if you were watching the live stream, you were watching New York streaming Sweden simultaneously, and it felt a bit like being in a kind of a big global music hall. It was a fascinating event. So thanks to everybody for that. We also wanted to mention, um, if you are a fan of the podcast, then you might have listened to the pilot episode in which I talked about a couple of my own pieces. And they're part of a suite called Sympathetic Resonance. And we're happy to say that Sympathetic Resonance will be performed in its entirety uh, in November in Belfast at the Sonorities Festival for Contemporary Music. We'll have all the information about that up on our website. But if you happen to be in Northern Ireland, in Belfast, in November, and you want to come hear the show, we'd love to see you. And shortly after, December 9th and 10th, it will be performed with a sculptural and visual installation by Improvised Alchemy at the Highways Performance Space in Santa Monica. We'll keep you posted on those forthcoming performances in the podcast and on the website. Um, And if you can make it out, we'd love to welcome you to one of those performances. In the meantime, we are, as I mentioned earlier, beginning a series of episodes engaging with the idea of gothic music. And we're lucky enough on the podcast to be actually interviewing someone who wrote the book, Gothic Music. Somebody who literally wrote the book, uh, Dr. Isabella Van Elfren, uh, currently the director of research at Kingston University in London. We had a few technical issues with the previous interview, so we're going to re-record a few little bits and bring that to you just as soon as we can. But in light of recent episodes on field recordings, we opened up the topic of advances in technology, particularly binaural recordings, and prefacing a series of interviews on gothic sounds and the sounds of the uncanny and gothic music and opening out a series of episodes dealing with the sounds of the uncanny seemed like a wonderful moment to deal with this technological advance of binaural recordings the spatialization of sound Now, you might be wondering why binaural recordings and uncanny sound seem to be a match made in heaven. We're going to get into that later in the episode, believe me. But I wanted to mention that one of my own fields of research over the last six or so years has been research into the uncanny implications of sound and sound recording. So a couple of big definitions to start. What do we mean when we talk about sound and the uncanny? If we look it up over at wikipedia.org, they tell us that the uncanny is a psychological phenomenon It is something that is familiar, but incongruous. So it's something that is strangely familiar. They give an example of a robot that's really, really lifelike and the uncanny valley effect of sort of rejecting things that are really close to being familiar and yet have this 
underlying dis-ease. That's the uncanny. So it's not just about something being strange. It has to be strange and familiar to you. Things that are repressed. Things that we try and hide away within ourselves, within our culture, that nonetheless refuse to be repressed or who return, sometimes known as the return of the repressed. And when that happens, when we're confronted with, say, our own mortality or our own vulnerability, those are often moments that are described as uncanny. Now, the uncanny is central to the notion of the gothic. So if you think about it, the gothic is preoccupied with the ways in which the repressed in our minds, in our societies, comes back. For instance, the subject of death or the subject of loss or the subject of mourning, those are considered gothic, but gothic is more than that. Gothic is also a kind of excess of these things. If you think about the Gothic subculture, which is really the first thing that many people think about when we say the word goth, we think about young people dressed in black with black hair and white skin and listening to loud music. Those things are Gothic by excess and by many of the preoccupations of those particular individuals in that subculture. But the Gothic is obviously much more than its subculture. It shows up all over. Now, I mentioned that in the last six or so years, I've been very interested in sound and the uncanny. This grew out of earlier research for me into music and media and particularly many articles that I published on music in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Now obviously that was a tale of universal application dressed in a teen goth skin. But it led to much greater preoccupations about sound and the uncanny and an understanding of how both media, television, YouTube, all of those things, are inherently haunted. We get that idea from Derrida and his conversations with Stieglitz on television and televisual media. From Dr. Isabella Van Elfren and her book on Gothic music, we can begin to theorize sound itself and recorded sound in particular as uncanny in and of itself. Now, we're going to get into that in interviews later. But for today, we're introducing this subject of sound and the uncanny by composing a haunted episode using binaural field recordings made within the last few years. We're doing this to bridge the field recording episodes and upcoming episodes on goth and gothic music gothic subcultures to a certain extent but mostly sound and music and the gothic since we've been doing series including schizophonia and sonic cartography for our field recordings we thought we would take on the haunting of space 
using binaural recordings. And it gives us a chance to play with the podcast recording itself. We're going to bring you all sorts of interesting recorded effects to tell you this story. And it's going to prepare us both for a discussion of broader implications of Gothic music, which we're going to take on in a bunch of episodes, and it's going to be a really fun discussion that ranges all across the board, from medieval music through the latest in industrial. It's it's going to be a great time. In the meantime, we're going to take you deep into the earth, and we're going to explore how binaural recordings, recordings that really spatialize our experience of recorded sound, are themselves haunted what they're haunted by, and how that haunting is an inherent part of what we hear. So it's going to be a really, really interesting discussion. We hope you stick around. In the meantime, let's go deep into the earth for a moment and a field recording residency in Italy. And we'll pick up some of these topics when we come out on the other side.
realtà la cosa incredibile di, di pensare comunque alle, alle cave, agli ambienti sotterranei dal quale si estrae materiale per la costruzione è che a differenza delle miniere dove il materiale viene frantumato, tritato, ridotto in minimi termini per estrarre il minerale, That great field recording, which once again we found over at Radio Abery at abery.org. I chose that recording over at Radio Abery because the opening sounded so much like a horror movie soundtrack. And I want to start to take apart the reasons why recordings and especially field recordings sound uncanny. Now when I say it reminded me of a horror film, that is not a, a disparaging statement at all. It really invokes many of the aspects of the gothic in sound and recording. First, it's a binaural recording. So it's a recording designed to give us a spatial awareness of the sound. And second, it was done by a sound artist in a residency who was exploring subterranean spaces. And again, we'll link to this particular sound recording. And please go listen to the whole thing. We could only feature a little bit of it today, but it's wonderful and it's on Radio Appery. Because we can't identify the context from the recording initially, we're just hearing this large, cavernous, resinous space, and we're hearing ominous sounds in the distance. Of course, as a contemporary composer, I could very easily imagine hearing that in one of two places, a horror film or a contemporary music concert hall. But a field recording, and in particular a binaural field recording made in a large, resinous, underground space, invokes a lot of other things. So if sound is inherently uncanny when it is removed from the physical actions within a space that created it, Part of the reason we jump in that recording when suddenly someone is throwing large things on the ground is because we don't see them pick up the objects and hurl them. We know that somebody's doing that because we can hear it. So we know there's a person in that space, but we can't see them and we can't see what they're doing. They are a ghostly presence. Further, because when we're listening to this field recording, this binaural recording, we are not actually there, but our ears can be fooled into hearing as if we are. We become the ghosts whose ears trail along with the microphones but who cannot see or interact with anything in that space. Not only are binaural field recordings in some senses uncanny because they do separate us from the physical world in which they were made, 
but give us the impression of strange familiarity. With those spaces, nonetheless, we imagine them. So in our forthcoming interview with Dr. Isabella Van Elfren on her book, Gothic Music, she talks about the sound of Gothic. So I invite you to listen to this quote and then re-listen to the immersive binaural field recordings that we've used today and see if these words don't resonate with your experience. This is from her introduction, uh, page 32 of her book, quote, The Gothic sounds of the uncanny are operative on four overlapping levels. First, sound and music give voices to Gothic ghosts and thus match the genre's trope of spectrality. Second, music engenders an overlap of various times and realities, invoking the hauntology that is the theme of Gothic. Third, Gothic sound and music can be excessively stylized, self-aware, and hauntographical, spilling over the boundaries of mediation and exposing the emptiness beneath. Finally, music allows audiences to actively participate in gothic transgression, giving them access to the fissure between medium and message. The spectral liturgy of gothic music causes the dark mirror of gothic to become three-dimensional, inhabitable, spatio-temporally infinite, end quote. Now, all of those aspects of the Gothic are aspects that we routinely encounter in this field recording and many others, particularly if they're binaural. Field recordings of resonant spaces in our earth invoke a kind of liturgy, particularly for people who listen in the West. We created a lot of our sacred music in the West in very large, resinous, interior spaces. Think about a cathedral or a church and how wide open that is. Well, it's resonant, and it's resonant because we associate resonance with 
liturgy with something sacred. So part of the reason why we chose this field recording as well was because in the midst of this horror soundtrack field recording invocation of underground cavern at a certain point this lovely gentleman walks up to the mic and explains what he's doing and why he's dropping stones and things onto the cavern floor so that we can hear so that the audience that he's well aware of can hear what his reasons are for doing these things and his voice in contrast to everything we've heard before is remarkably mundane and so in this field recording it opens with us lost somewhere without bearing or guide someplace that could be familiar but we're really not sure the sounds get stranger and stranger and we hear action in the distance we hear stones being thrown but we don't see who's doing it a kind of ghostly reflection of action in a space captured in the binaural audio landscape and then finally we have our main character walk up to the mic and explain what he's doing and why it's interesting now my italian isn't fabulous but he's explaining the stone and the resonant materials of this underground space make it perfect for sonic exploration a perfectly normal familiar thing to do but our experience of it by this point can best be described as strange so moving forward in these episodes about the gothic we are thinking about the ways in which music and sound together with our memories our spatial awareness our understanding of sound in the physical world can all sometimes be used against us for creative purposes if we're talking about gothic film or video games or television but even just as a result of listening to field recordings we may be having our own spectral experience you might think that binaural recordings would be an odd place to foreground ghostliness and yet for all intents and purposes our experience of them and in a strange way their experience of us is completely ghostly and that's part of the power and the magic of these recordings it's not incidental it's really central to our experience of them So we hear people walking by, but we don't see them. And because the sound is disconnected from the physical source, it means that it's haunted. It's haunted by the actions in the physical world that made these sounds. By the geographical time and place in which they were made. 
And that's part of the reason why we like geosynced field recordings so much here at the show. Because there's sort of a way of haunting the earth sonically. Now, I've pointed out the dates on which each of these recordings were made. Because we're automatically hearing the past. Every single recording we're listening to. Including my voice when you hear it is automatically displaced in time. It's like a photograph. That moment no longer exists. And we're left with something strangely familiar when we look at it. Or strangely familiar when we listen. And that strange familiarity, that universal strangeness, is the uncanny lurking right out here in the open in field recordings and environmental recordings.
The Gothic sounds of the uncanny are operative. The Gothic sounds of the uncanny are operative on first. Sound and music give voices to Gothic ghosts first, and thus sound and music trope spectralic ghosts, and thus sound and genre trope spectralic. Second, music engenders an overlap. Second. Music engenders an overlap of various times and realities, invoking the hauntology that is the theme of Gothic. Second, music engenders an overlap of various times and realities, invoking the hauntology that is the theme of Gothic. And exposing the emptiness beneath. Finally, music allows audiences to actively participate in gothic transgression, giving them access to the fissure between medium and message. The spectral liturgy of gothic music causes the dark to become three-dimensional in The gothic sounds are operative on four overlapping levels. The gothic sounds of the uncanny are operative on four overlapping levels. And thus match the genre's trope of spectrality. Sound and music give voices to gothic ghosts. And thus match the genre's trope of spectrality. Second, music engenders an overlap of various times and realities. Invoking First, the hauntology that is the sound of music give voices to gothic ghosts and thus match the genre's trope of spectrality. The gothic sounds of the uncanny are operative on four overlapping levels. Second, music engenders an First, overlap of various times and realities, invoking the hauntology that is the theme of Gothic. Second, music engenders an overlap of various times and realities, invoking the hauntology that is the theme of Gothic.
Second, music engenders an overlap of various times and realities, invoking the hauntology that is the theme of Gothic.